0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. You look well. Well done. There's a lot going on today, isn't there? We were quite excited about the 3rd of April because it's springtime. It's things coming up from the ground. The Bible says that things come up from the ground and it's great to hear... Uh, that there are some opportunities for you. Just just to finish off the small groupy bit, small groups are not there for themselves. Uh, they're not there to give the leader something to do because they're already doing something. They're actually there t- for you. They're actually there for us and they're actually there for our communities. Um, so I, I cannot I exhort all of you to get involved with something because we need you. Thanks for that. We need you. Your life matters and you have tremendous significance. Um, Okay, before I get into that, one group which um, Andrew mentioned just in passing, but I've just finished it and it's awesome, is the bereavement journey. Uh, I had a family member that died um, the day before Christmas Eve last year. No time to die is a good time, but that's the worst of times. And put my personal experience of just finding out what loss is, how you deal with it, uh, how you cope with it, how you deal with uh, time with people near at the end of their days, all this kind of thing, it really, really, really helped. Uh, there are about 25 of us together, and everybody had the same kind of story. At the end of their journey of six weeks, they just felt God was in the midst of what they were grappling with. So can I encourage you, if you've had loss uh, recently or even not that recently, consider doing that. Uh, we're actually going to be running one in Worthing if there's enough people that want to do it here. Is that okay? Awesome. Are you ready for this? So we're going to have another Rome through the Romans. Uh, this has been amazing. I think this is week five and we've now got to chapter two. So woo-hoo. So bear in mind that there's 16 chapters. How long is that going to take? A long time. Margaret, you won a prize. It's going to take a long time. But the reason why it's going to take a long time is not because we're really stupid. It's because God is really clever. The reason why it's going to take a a period of time is because there are some amazing truths in the book of Romans, which if we can get to grips with, not just in terms of our thinking, but in terms of our heart, it is literally going to transform our lives in reality in the same way that God transformed them supernaturally is that is that okay to say that so this this kind of theme is is about what's going on in your heart now how many of you know that everybody in this room has a heart oh, I sure ask a friend okay but everybody here has a heart you have a, a a muscle it's I think it's one of the biggest muscles in our body which kind of works on its own um, But I believe that that faith, which also, according to the Bible, is centred in our heart, like our muscle, we need to exercise it. Any muscle that you exercise becomes stronger, it becomes a little bit more flexible, it's able to do a bit more work. Is that okay? whatever muscle that is, a finger muscle. If you're a bit of a pointy person, you might have a bigger finger. I, I can remember shaking hands with Prince Charles many, 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 many years ago. And, and it was amazing to me that his right wrist was twice the size of his left wrist. And it was like, I, I, no, I didn't say anything, in case I ended up like that, do you know what I mean, or in the tower. But I thought, God, that's amazing. And then I suddenly realised he must have shaken millions of people's hands. It's just like, I I bet he didn't realise, you know, I'm going to have a... But but the point is, is the, the muscles that he exercised became stronger. Their capacity increased, their availability increased. And I believe as we go through the book of Romans, God wants to increase your capacity. Yeah, is that okay? So wherever we start from, God wants to increase. Just say that, God wants to increase. Because if we get that in our heart, then guess what happens to us? We decrease. Come on, Margaret's already Margaret's already hit. So as God increases, we decrease. And how many of you realise that when that begins to happen, the people around our world see more of Jesus than less of us? And I think that's pretty cool, right? So this this whole bit that we're going to look at now, I've tried to, I've kind of. Um, taken some of the sting out of it. I've just put cut to the hearts. There's a really, really lovely piece of the Bible right the, in the book of Acts, which is kind of the beginning of the New Testament church, the early church, where um, Jesus said to the guys that were following him, the closest, said, right, don't don't go off and do loads of stuff, even though I've, I'm telling you that you can and I'm showing you what that stuff looks like. Go on, wait upstairs in a room until something happens to you. The reason for that." It's because something has to happen to a person, otherwise we just do things in our own strength. We just do things in our own experience or in our own fears or worries. And, and Jesus said, no, no, what I'm going to get you guys doing, you can only do when you've experienced me. Because how many of you know that what we experience affects our experience? Which is why we should be careful what we watch before we go to bed to be careful how we wake up in the mornings. Hello. Because what we experience affects our experience. It can sound a little bit basic, but there's a profound truth in there. And Jesus said to these guys, Now go up in this room, separate yourselves from the world for a season, because after something's happened, you're going to be connecting with the world forever. So there's going to be a time when you're slightly isolated. But what I'm going to do in that time, you're suddenly then going to get launched out. And I just love it in Acts 1 and 2. Just, just picture this. You've got these 120 people, men, women, uh, all kinds of backgrounds, colors, creeds, whatever, all, all arguing, sorting out stuff. Who's the greatest? Who's the least? Who's this? Who's that? What are we doing here? I don't know. And then suddenly, God began to move. And I believe in your life and in my life, whatever the sound is in the room, God wants to come in this morning and change it. Isn't that cool? That whatever is going on in the room of our life, God, Jesus wants to come in, the Holy Spirit, the power of God wants to come in and begin to change it. And in that moment, it changes us. And I just love this kind of imagery. All these people are up there and suddenly God begins to come individually on people. And a couple of things happen. There's a sound and then there's a, an image of fire. There's a sound of wind, image of fire. So, and there's lots of reasons for that. I don't have the time to go into that on why it's that, but it's good that it's that. How many of you know that you always know where a fire is? How many of you, know that you always know when the wind's blowing? Right. So there are two elements there that when Jesus gets hold of our life, he wants your life to make a difference. He wants your life to transform something when it touches it. He wants your life to be blown by the power of the Holy Spirit this way and that way, not really knowing where it's going, but nothing can stop the wind of God. That's cool. God wants to do that in you and he wants to do that in me. And then we find this, this thing happens, this event happens, this download of God's power into humanity happens and it says Peter stood up. Now when you read that you might think, well so what? But I think that's pretty amazing that when Peter stood up, he stood up different. When Peter stood up, he stood up bold. He stood up full of God's power. He filled up with a changed heart and a changed outlook. And God wants you and I to stand up in the same kind of way. I'm preaching well today. Because God did something so profound in that man's heart that God wants to do it in yours that God did something so strategic, so divine, if I could put it that way, so unique, not just unique to Peter. God wants to do something unique in you and in me this morning. Thank you. There's a few more amens in the room. I like the sound of people that believe the word of God. All I'm doing is sending you the Bible. But it says, Peter stood up amongst the 11 and suddenly began to speak to the crowds. Now, I don't know what whether that turns you on or turns you off. Maybe you would sooner be the crowd rather than the one speaking to the crowd. But can I just reinforce that all of you have a crowd? Family, neighbourhood, workplace, college place, shops. Thank you. All of you have a crowd. But guess what? God wants you to be the standout in the crowd. You might think, oh, no, not me, not me. Don't go down that route because God always picks the not-me, not-me people. Come on now. God will always pick out the, here I am, God, but please send them. God says, no, I want you. So if you don't want to be used by God, say, God, pick me. Don't, Don't do that. But you know what I'm saying? Is God looks for those who are totally useless. And by the power of God makes them entirely useful. And I just love this reality. It says, Jesus, it says, Peter stood up, began to preach in Acts 2, verse 36 to 39. And he does this whole dialogue about who Jesus was and how he saw him and how he was with him. And then suddenly Jesus went to the cross and we dealt with that a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, this love vertical and all of this stuff in the horizontal that Jesus took away and you never see it again. How cool is that? Isn't it great to be reminded that when you give something to Jesus, you never see it again? How cool is that? When you give him your fears, your worries, all of your failures, you give them to Jesus and you never see them again. The challenge is, do we still look for them? But we're going to help by the grace of God deal with that one today. But it goes on here and it says, um, verse 36, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. In other words, this Jesus, he wasn't just a bloke. He wasn't just someone who was dedicated to God. He was the Lord of Lords and he's the one that wants to come and do something in your life. He's the one that wants to take everything that was on his life and redistribute it onto your lives. This was the person, the only person in the whole of history who walked totally obedient to the one who sent him. And he wants your lifestyle, not just the crown, but us. He wants your life to be a reflection of his life. And you might be thinking, well, I don't like obedience. Well, you're going to love it when you find out what the benefit of it is. I I can remember for years, probably 10, 15 years, in in the Bible school that we had, seems like another age. but Everybody comes into it. And the one word which people love to talk about but don't love to live is the word obedience, including us probably. How many of us, uh, uh, yeah, we're driving along in a car and we're doing 41 miles an hour and suddenly we find a sign that says 40. What goes on on the inside of us? What did you say? Okay, that's a, that's a Dutch response, okay? <laughs> I'm using that as a really practical example. If we go into a library and it says, be quiet, what do we want to do? Julie knows, okay? <laughs> she just giggles and it's all noisy. Because there's something about the law that when we realise what the law is, we always want to break it. Hello. <laughs> because it's the nature of us humanity. If somebody says, don't touch it, what do you want to do? Touch it. (laughs) I used to do a sketch out on the streets years ago, maybe you should do it again, where I'd find a park bench and put on it wet paint, do not touch. And then I'd sit somewhere near it and see what happens. And I can guarantee you, guarantee you, at least two, three people out of five would go and just to check it. because Right. But here's the, here's the issue when it comes to doing bad stuff and rubbish stuff. Tom, can you just bring that chair out for me? I'll just watch you get up because you look too... Yeah, exactly. So here's the chair of our life. Can you see it? It's a chair. It's like the one you're sitting on. And on that chair, there's all kinds of stuff. There is pleasure and finances and there's doing stuff that you know you shouldn't do. And on it, it says do not touch. And I'm walking past it, you're walking past it thinking, well, what happened happen if I touch it? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Why? Because there's something in our heart that always wants to do what the law says don't do. Talk to a young person. You can do anything you like, but don't touch that. Guess what they're gonna do first? Touch that. <laughs> and We're walking past this chair, it says, do not touch. And I do this skit where you grab it like that and you have a look at it and then you, you can't get rid of it. <laughs> it's stuck to you like that. And then you, you go like that and then suddenly you can't get rid of it and you've got your foot on it. And then you're trying to walk around like that. <laughs> It's funny isn't it? But that's what law does, that's what grace does because we all live under the law until grace comes. We all are dealing with stuff in our lives which we cannot ever win. Fascinating bit just after uh, Peter preaches this, it says when the people heard this they were cut to the heart. What does that mean? Does it mean that literally someone stabbed them? I believe that it did. God stabbed them. God did something which you and I can't do. Which he came in with the divine love of God. That wonderful mercy and heart that only God has. And put his hand literally into the chest of everybody here in it. And gave a heart a little squeeze. And everybody felt it. Everybody experienced it. And like the chair, in the opposite kind of way, is what God touches he never lets go of. (sighs) Now, this isn't a heart of judgment or criticism or condemnation. This is a heart of grace. We sang about it. But here's the funny thing. Peter's reply was this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. This heart, this this condition of God wasn't, you're a bunch of sinners, sort it out. But through Peter, it was, here's the way back to God's heart. Here's the way to experience this circumcision of the heart, the Bible calls it, which is what we're looking at in Romans in a moment. I'm just going to give a a picture of what it looks like. What it looks like is God makes us feel uncomfortable. Not about God, but about the fact we try and do stuff without God. Look, God makes us feel uncomfortable because we, we don't do the things that we know we should. And we do do the things that we know we should not. We'll read more about that when eventually we get to Romans 5 and 6, which could be next year, who knows? But the point is, in this part, God wants to help you and I experience this cut to the heart. Because what it does is it gets rid of this old crusty exterior, which the law puts around it, and instead we have the very heart of God Himself. For those of you that know the Bible in Ezekiel, which was written a long time before this, God said, I'm going to take from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So something has to be cut out of us and then something put into us. The promise to you and your children, sorry, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the point, everybody, is that God wants you and I to live out of a heart. Is full of the Holy Spirit. Because it, here's the challenge, and funnily enough, this came out of, out of another staff member this, this week, so it was like, well, I'm going to share that. Is some of you, again, a little bit after this bit of the story in Acts, another story where this guy and somebody else is walking past the church building, and there was a guy there that needed help. He'd been there for a long time, probably 30 which means he had had over 10,000 journeys on a stretcher. He was taken there every morning, brought back every evening. You might apply that up. It's about 10,000 journeys. And he looked at this guy, hoping to have some money given to him, because he looked rough, sounded rough, smelt rough, thought rough, spoke rough. And all they said was, what I have, I give you. Now, here's the point of that. We all, we all talk a lot, whether we're chatty or whether we just chat in our head. But our words don't change people. Our heart does. Which is why Jesus said, "No, if you want to know what love looks like or sounds like, look at me. If you want to know what healing looks like or sounds like, look at me. So I had this kind of analogy in my head, which somebody nicked this week, What I'm going to reclaim it, is we can talk measles. We've got measles, we've got measles, we've got measles. But if you've got mumps, people will get mumps from you, not measles. In other words, we can talk whatever we want to talk, but what I have is what I give you, not what I say. Does that, does that make some sense? So I, I can talk, and I know here, we, we, I, I, you guys are brilliant. But God wants that brilliance to be even more evident. That there's a reality of what we say that comes out of who we are. Does that make some sense? Please, this is not a message to make us feel uncomfortable. This is a message where God wants to cut our heart a little bit more to release more of himself. So what does it mean? Well, Romans 2, this is where we're kind of landing. Uh, again, the backstory here, we've only got eight minutes. The backstory story here is Paul, who was a Jew, he was very intellectual. He starts this little bit of, of the scripture from verse 17, taking the mickey out of the Jewish people a little bit, um, kind of making fun of them a little bit. Uh, but in the context of, if you're living as God's people, then behave like God's people. In essence, all right? So uh, he, he starts by saying, now... If you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on it, if you boast, then live like it. So Paul was expressing to you and to me, it's not about what we say. It's about how we live out of our heart. And he was just using this as an example. Remember the book of Romans was written to Jew and Gentile, to those that were thought they were just God's people exclusively, to those actually all people are God's people. But there's this kind of... Pre- provocation at the beginning where Paul is saying, well, come on, if we're going to live set apart for God, if that's in our heart, it has to be in our mouth. If it's in our mouth, it has to come out of our heart. It's called integrity. And I believe God wants you and I to live this kind of integrity, that when we can't do stuff, we got to go and say, God, I can't do it, please help me. We don't try and do it without God's help. Or we're doing stuff that we know what to do. Yeah, I've done that a thousand times. A thousand and one, yeah, I can do that. No, but without God's help, it just becomes law again. And God wants to, I believe this morning, do something fresh in your heart and in my heart where we just surrender our hearts afresh to God. Now, you may have done that a thousand times. God's heart is worth it. You may never have done that before. Well, let me tell you, God's heart is worth it. It goes on in that uh, bit of scripture from Romans. It says, circumcision has value if you observe the law. In other words, part of the tradition, part of the outward uh, kind of sign or recognition, painful though it was, is that before uh, a young man was 12 uh, 12 days old within the Jewish tradition, had to be circumcised. But it didn't change their heart. It was a sign of a changed heart. It was not a changed heart. And what Paul is saying, in exactly the same way, there's a little bit of pain in circumcision. It's a bit uncomfortable, but man, the glory afterwards, the goodness afterwards, the blessing that follows is far more value than the process. And what Paul is saying is, no, let God circumcise your heart. He goes on in that verse, in 28 and 29. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not a written code. What does that mean? It means that I believe, we believe, as we, as we engage with the Holy Spirit in a few moments, is the Holy Spirit wants to do something fresh in our hearts. He wants to cut away where we've been trying to do stuff. Where we've been trying to work it out rather than let God work something in. Where we've just been trying to make one and one equal two, when in God's economy it can equal three. One can chase a thousand, two, ten thousand. His maths are not like our maths. His sums are not like our sums. The smallest of you is like an island or even a nation. What? There's nations trying to kill each other that we all know about. And yet within it, your heart can take that nation and through prayer like Jonathan and uh, Monica do it and begin to impose the heart of God in that. I had a conversation with Caroline this morning. I said, do you realise that when you pray, you leave the room? I said, what do you mean? I said, when you pray, you don't stay where you are. You leave the room. You visit other countries, you visit other homes, you visit other situations, you visit other people's crises. She said, oh yeah, she said, I oh, didn't get that. Well, that, that's the heart of God. God never stays in the room. Come on! I know there's a lot in here and I know we haven't got a lot of time to go into it in depth. So Maybe we'll reflect back on this a little bit later. But God always wants to operate on our hearts. Yours, mine. Young peoples, old peoples, people that know God, people that don't know God. But here's the challenge. If we say that we know Jesus, then we need to know that he knows us. If we say that we want to love Jesus, how many of you want to love Jesus? Do what he tells you then. Because the only one foolproof, eternal way of knowing that we love Jesus is through obedience. It is not obedience to the law, it's obedience to the lawgiver. When we're obedient to the lawgiver, we also obey the law. It's not license to do what you like, which is hypergrace stuff, which is heresy, actually. But when we give our hearts fully to the Lord, we want to do not just the law, but the spirit of the law. Not just the written code, but the one that's written in our heart. Right back in the back of Deuteronomy, when God is giving out basically options, He said, If you do this, I'll do that. If you don't do that, this is what's going to happen. In Deuteronomy thirty. I'm just going to read this and then we're going to we're going to pray. Start in verse four. Even if you've been banished to the most distant land under the heavens, and you might feel like that. You might feel like the land you're in is nowhere near where you want to be. I mean, spiritually, physically, it could be. You might might not have moved house, but it feels like you've left home. From there, the Lord will gather you and he will bring you back. What an amazing description of the love of God. Even if we're miles away from God, God will come and find us. Even if we're bogged down and stuck and dredging through clag, Jesus will still come and find us. He will bring you to the land that belonged to your ancestors, the land of promise, and you will take possession of it. And This isn't just physical, is it? It's spiritual, emotional, relational ground. Is that God's heart is to put us into his land. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and live. So on a natural level, to circumcise your heart, there's a good chance that you're not going to make it. But when you let God circumcise your heart, you live. The living is different, isn't it? The Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies who hate and persecute you. You will again obey the Lord and follow his commands I'm giving you today. Then the Lord your God will make you most prosperous in all the work of your hands and in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your land. The Lord again will delight in you and make you prosperous just as he delighted in your ancestors. If you obey the Lord your God, and keep his commands. Notice that the requirement to keep his commands comes after, give me your heart. I'm just going to pray. Father, I want to thank you for every heart here in Young Saints, across the households, the congregation. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would come and convict us when we've been trying to work things out or work things in in our own strength with the law help us Holy Spirit to open up our hearts to you in a fresh way so that Holy Spirit you would come and circumcise those parts of our heart which are hard or harsh for whatever reason God God I don't believe you're you're bothered about the reason. You're just interested in being the solution. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would bring us into a fresh love of you, of one another, of our communities. Because when we love you, we will obey you. Help us, Lord, to love you, to obey you, To follow you. To be fruitful for you. We don't want to live under the law. That kills. but We want to live out of the spirit that brings life. Because you say that we are a letter from Christ. Our hearts have not been written on with ink. But with the spirit of the living God. And that's where our confidence comes from. That's where our competence comes from. Because the. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So, Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would come and convict us where we need it, but also bring freedom. You would come and convince us where we need to be, but also bring your knowledge and understanding. That you would, con- you would just bring, touch that area of our life that you want to cut away everything that hinders your will. Father, I thank you that you have made us to be set apart for you, to live with you and for you, not just today, but for the whole of eternity. Holy Spirit, do that, I pray. Amen. So over these next days, when you're having your own devotional time, when you're following the, the, the um, devotionals on the calendar, which came should be around on your tables, Don't just think that you've got to read that bit of the Bible every day. Just let God speak to you. Try try not to grade where you think you are. Because I'll I'll help you with that. We're all short of the glory of God. (laughs) All of us. But we don't stay there because God lifts us up to where we don't deserve. All right? So... So don't spend all your devotion or trying to convince God that you're worthy because you're not and neither am I. Let's focus on God being worthy and as we do that, He changes us. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you.